Hello and welcome to Saturday, a podcast for sads and gays. I'm kinda Kyle and I'm not a prostitute and I can't give you what you want. So let me just apologize in advance. It's been like three-ish weeks since I've recorded anything. I have been depressed. I've been depressed, I'm not gonna lie. I just, there was just a lot going on in my life and I had one of those moments. You ever have one of those moments when you just like are like, I don't fucking exist? You know, uh, you know, just like some sort of weird, like artsy film moment where it's like black and white and you're staring at a wall and like maybe some French music is playing like, I don't know if those are any French words, but it was in one of those, uh, sexy French depressions, I guess is what they would say in crazy ex-girlfriend. I got out of it, or I'm still kind of in it. I'm not going to lie. That's why I haven't been making a lot of things, and I need to get back on that train. So here I am just forcing myself to do it, which is just the best way to get anyone to do anything is through sheer force. Uh, No, don't quote me on that. Please, I don't want a lawsuit. Um, I'm also broke. So, I literally might include my Venmo in this episode if you want to Venmo me. If not, it's totally fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'll be okay. It's fine. I am broke in part one because I'm a grad student. Um, I'm a 30-year-old grad student. Um, I'm turning 30 next week. So, I will have an episode for my 30th. 30 things about 30, I guess. But I'm a broke grad student, and I'm also broke because I went to New York City. And so I want to dedicate this episode to a manifestation that I've wanted for a while, and that's to live in New York City. I think the time has come. I think I've had enough experiences in life where I've lived on my own for several years now, and I already live in a city. I live in Boston, and I'm just ready for that change. So, manifesting that for myself, and while I'm manifesting that for myself, I wanted to dedicate this episode to things that once brought me joy that I just kept in the closet after a while and, like, forgot about it and repressed it, and now I want to bring that joy back. And that is specifically the theater musicals. Um... Broadway musicals have been a huge part of my life, along with Disney villains, uh, The Wicked Witch of the West, uh, bad bitches. So, because of compulsory heterosexuality or whatever, I just repressed my love of theater. I was very badly made fun of and bullied for being gay when I was 10-ish, 9, 10, you know, a big fat N. Let's generalize about men. Uh, Yeah, I was really badly bullied for being gay, and I loved musical theater. I was a huge fan of Little Shop of Horrors growing up. I was a huge fan of Chicago. Uh, Loved the cabaret soundtrack. Just a big, a big theater gay. And I, I had dreams of being a Broadway star back in the day. I was really, was really gunning for it. I had a beautiful voice, and then I hit puberty, and like I can still sing now, but like it took a lot of an adjustment, too. So I just didn't do 
musical theater for a long ass. I did musical theater growing up for about eight years. So, yeah, about eight years. About, yeah, six or seven years, actually. And recently, I've just been facing sort of just multiple layers of existential dread. Uh, One is, uh, as people know, I'm a grad student. I'm a PhD student studying literature. Uh, I'm studying visual culture and literature, specifically queer and feminist visual culture and literature, which I can talk about, but probably everyone's going to be bored to death, and then I'll have no listeners. So don't do that, Kyle, you stupid bitch. So I, in grad school, I've... For the past year and thinking of my grad school career, I've just been at a loss of things of what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And I don't have to, I don't have to commit to shit for the rest of my life. Like, I don't have to be in a job for the rest of my life. I don't like this idea of, like, staying married to a job. I would love to change jobs every five seconds. I'd like to take on multiple fucking jobs at once. I know for a fact that I love creating things and I love working with creative people. And the podcast has been an incredible way to do that. And, you know, I've developed, as listeners know, I've worked on developing social media and, like, my TikTok and doing comedy more so. And I've wanted to join an improv group, but everything's over Zoom. Like, I don't feel like fucking doing shit over Zoom. Like, I've, you have, Zoom should be called the dissociation app. It just makes, it just makes you dissociate. It's just like, that's the side effect of Zoom. That's the side effect of COVID. I just don't, every time I'm in Zoom, like, every time I'm on Zoom, I just want to die. Don't make me go on Zoom. I don't want to die. I fucking hate Zoom. I don't want to do Zoom anymore. I'm done. So, anywho... Approaching 30, approaching a different phase in my life, having done this work, the podcast for two years, I I felt something, I felt my creative essence just kind of sapping recently, and I think it's just because of hitting 30, another year again in COVID, this is officially the new normal, everyone. Like, this is not... We're always we're gonna be wearing masks for a long ass time. We're gonna have to social distance. There's probably gonna be. I just took the booster. That I'm probably gonna have to take another booster in six months. I'm sure I will. Uh, it's fucked up, and I hope things change. But I I don't. I think things are gonna change for the better, but it's gonna take time, a lot of time. I think we could be dealing with this for another year or so. I would not be the least bit surprised. But anywho. Having said that, we make do, and I just think I was dealing with a lot of these existential identity crisis, what am I doing for the rest of my life kinds of things, and the theater, I don't know if I'm going to, I'm not going to try to go for Broadway, obviously, but contemplating the theater, watching a good play, I would probably do local theater, that would be fun to do, I used to, you know, I used to love doing local theater, but watching that watching musicals and just listening to the soundtrack and just the beauty of the spectacle is part of what has brought me joy recently so I wanted to talk about that and then I wanted to try to talk about it in connection with how Broadway musicals are just a huge part of so many like 
queer people's formation, identity formation, and social formation. And I think that's really beautiful. So I want to talk about three musicals that I've seen recently, my thoughts on them, and I want to wrap up with talking about how musicals are a form of just social, queer social identity formation and community building. So without further wet ass Perry the platypus, let's dive in. Okay, so the first musical I saw actually this year wasn't in New York City, but was in Boston, and it's called Hades Town. So I'm sure a lot of you listeners are familiar with it. So Hades Town, I believe it won the 2019 Tony Award for Best Musical. It is, I th- and I also believe the songs, I shouldn't say I also believe. I mean, if I'm wrong, just Google it. Or I could just do my research right now while I'm on this podcast because I'm so fucking professional. But Hades Town, the songs were written by Anais Mitchell. And it was originally based on an album that she made called Hades Town, which then she turned into like a concept album that turned into this folk opera. It is a folk opera. It is a adaptation of the Orpheus and Eurydice's myth. To summarize that briefly, without giving away the ending, uh, the story is the myth is about Orpheus, who is the son of a muse, who is a brilliant liar player musician. His wife Eurydice dies and is taken to the underworld from dying. And Orpheus uses his music to try to bring her out of hell, out of the underworld, out of Hades Town. So, Hades Town is phenomenal. If you, I'm assuming no one has access to see these musicals. So, if you don't just listen to the soundtracks, all of them, they're all available on Spotify. You can listen to them on YouTube. You know how to listen to music. I'm not going to explain how, like, you're not a fucking boomer. And if you are, hi, dad. Um, I can, you know, you'll, you'll figure it out. Ask a family member. So, Hades Town is just a phenomenal fucking musical. Uh, folk opera, so very not not a conventional musical like the music isn't like vaudeville like hey guess what i just found out today my dog took a shit in the neighbor's lawn and now we're gonna dance because he wants to kill me um that's not i feel like that was a bad example but it's it's folk opera it's folksy music folk poppy music i really liked it yeah, the so Orpheus has a fucking phenomenal voice. Uh, the modern ad- adaptation also it takes place in New Orleans. I would say in New Orleans in like the nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties. It looks like there's the characters known as the Three Fates from Greek mytho- mythology, and one of them is playing uh, an accordion in the show. It's phenomenal. Eurydice also has an incredible voice. Uh, 
the set is super it's interesting with that musical because the set stays consistent the music does a lot there if you listen to the el- you can probably tell in the fact that i've said folk opera multiple times like drink every time i say folk opera folk opera folk opera uh you could listen to when i say that i mean in the same way that like jesus christ superstar is a rock opera there's not really much dialogue so the whole album is the show itself basically it's everything that happens in the show so you could just try to imagine the set like close your eyes and try to imagine the set it uses very basic a very basic set of like a new orleans bar like a speakeasy or something i think they call them but does a lot with lighting and fog and that type of work and i think there's a rotating the center of the stage rotates it does a lot with i would call that kind of like a minimalist effect it does a lot with like minimal props minimal props and stage staging and stuff like that um setting like like they don't change scenes and setting a lot like other musicals i would highly recommend that it's no longer playing in boston it's still playing in new york if you want to go see it if you can afford to go but the next play that i saw affordably for 58 dollars, i think that's affordable was jagged little pill jagged little pill for those if you don't know what i'm referring to immediately like fuck you what have you been doing with your life you're clearly not a depressed white woman and you need to like reassess that you need to be more of a depressed white woman (laughs) no i don't want to do that so jagged little pill is based off of the 1995 album by alanis morissette called jagged little pill huge uh, oh i i want to confirm that it's not that everyone needs to know the exact year but i believe it was i believe it was 19 uh 1995 and it's by Alanis Morissette. She was like probably like in her early 20s when she wrote the album. It's an incredible album. If yes, it is 1995. Confirmation. So many great tracks on there. Like You Oughta Know, um, Head Over Feet, One Hand in My Pocket. Like just, just listen to that. Even if you have listened to the album before, go listen to it right now. Shut this fucking podcast off and go treat yourself to some wine or, you know, a fucking ginger ale and just play that whole album but yes this musical is based off of Alanis Morissette's 1995 album Jagged Little Pill uh it's I understand it as a breakup album but they turned it into a concept musical a jukebox musical and I've actually okay I was that's a lie i i've never seen a well it's actually not a lie i've never seen a i've never seen a live jukebox musical so a jukebox box musical is a musical that features songs from like a famous artist that like feature already popular songs before the musical came out so mamma mia is an example american idiot is an example you know jersey boys 
All those, all those fun musicals. Jagged Little Pill. What's the scale that I would make this? Uh, I mean, if it's on a scale of sad or gay, it's, it, it's, it's both for sure. It's both for sure. I, three out of five stars. Let's just not, not make it complicated. I was going to say drama faces, but I forget what that's called. What are the two faces of drama called? Like, I feel like, I feel like that's a thing. Um, you know, schmo and schmuck, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it was good. It was good, but the first act dragged on. The first act dragged on a lot. It was very... Okay, let me give you the plot of it first without giving too much away. So the plot revolves around a daughter who is a black girl who is adopted by white rich parents. Uh, The mother in the show suffers from a pill addiction from getting in an accident you know in a car crash or something like that she becomes addicted to percocets and basically the storyline follows her and this her daughter and other characters involved her daughter is very social justice oriented and it's a plot about basically her development as like an activist, as a girl coming of age, and the mother's struggle with addiction, I would say, would be the two main plots of that musical. It is great once you get to the second act. The one thing I would say is the first act got very heavy-handed with got very heavy-handed with like trying to make woke commentary in like the first 10 minutes and all like the new york elite liberals were like yeah we we help you know we donate to human rights campaign i'm fucking you know the king of good whiteness like it was very handed with that um singers were incredible it so i was about to leave at the first act but then it ended on a really, like, the I forget what song it was, but it ended on, like, a very interesting note that kept me motivated to want to see the act, too. They do a really interesting, so, in comparison to Town, they do a lot with setting, and it's really interesting. I think what kind of annoyed me, too, now to get back on what I didn't like about it, it's good. It's good. I would recommend, if you have the money, if you have $58, go see it. If I wouldn't spend a over a hundred dollars for jagged little pill i'm sorry i wouldn't spend over i would spend like a hundred dollars for hades town honestly if i if it was your first musical i would you know fork it i was gonna say shove it down shove it down your face with gay musicals the other thing that i didn't like with jagged little pill was they had i think this is what made it ice was saying to someone it feels very much like there was an snl skit about like a group of uh, a high school group of like theater kids that do like one of those plays that you would see in high school like you know they would take you out of class to go see the uh, like you know fellow classmates in the drama club perform something and it would be like a you know like message about like you know just like a social justice oriented message like kind of like after school specials but in like high school theater kid form and they did that with like they just had a stage like 
a set of background characters that became like a part of the plot through their dancing and just randomly singing alongside people and like i didn't get it like i felt like you could just have an intimate moment with the character and like they would sing to themselves or they would think this passionate idea that could come out in any specific form but in this way happens to come out in a musical form and i feel like that's their individual thing and they just had random dancers and i like wasn't particularly fond of it like people so like what's one song that that a character sings like you'd have like one hand in my pocket like one of the earlier songs and like the girl character is singing the daughter character is singing and then like she's just singing like to herself like among like maybe i think she's with her mom or something and so like it's just a there it's a conversations and it's just them and for some reason you got like the whole cast of rent randomly fucking coming up like kids dressed like in 90s grunge outfits because like that's when jag little pill came out and they just randomly like she'd be talking and she'd be like i got one hand in my pocket and then everyone comes out like snapping their fingers and like doing flips or whatever and the other one's giving a peace sign like if that were me i'd be like hi i don't need you right now i don't need you in my song you can leave for like five fucking seconds thank you so there was that but the scenery changed a lot it was interesting they had like just three kind of like white walls that kind of like were like slatted like like things that you'd see on the outside of a house like kind of like slatted um like wood it was like a wall like that just a white wall like that and it was like three of them that were kind of like cut up in different angles that they would put together to use for a setting and they'd use a projector on that so like they'd use that to show the front of a house or to show the inside of a grocery store and they'd have like random like people carrying a cart or like random things to set that up but and the dancers would change those scenes so it did make it make for an interesting thing with the scenery so maybe i can understand why the dancers were there in that capacity so i went to see jagged little pill because i was gonna see chicago and when i was at the ticket booth the a person on the outside like giving out flyers to musicals was like and they weren't giving out a a flyer for jagged little pill but they were like what musical are you seeing and i was like i'm thinking chicago or jagged little pill and they were like if you're and i told them that it was my first musical and they were like if you are if it's your first musical and you're looking for like a spectacle go see jagged little pill because chicago is more just like they don't have props or setting or anything and i was like okay that's that's good to know so they did do a phenomenal job with that so one of the dancers was actually really good there's a scene where the mother's talking about her she's just like really intensely in like pill land you know we've all been there when we're like i'm an addict and she like her struggling with addiction is like shown through interpretive dance by this incredible dancer who's like dressed just like the mom uh it's really good that part was really good but i almost left at act one because of the uh sorry yeah act one and then i stayed for whatever reasons i think the last song just drew me in and so act two there is a performer who plays 
Her name's Joe in the musical. The actress is Lauren Lauren Patton, I believe. I believe it's Lauren Patton. Yes, Lauren Patton, who plays this character named Joe, who is the best friend of the adopted girl. And she sings a queer version of You Don't Know dedicated to a woman lover who scorned her. And she sings it. Oh my fucking god. This was Lauren Patton. I saw the original, you know, actor of this, uh, uh, in this role. And I believe that she won a, um, I believe she won a Grammy and a Tony for it. Yeah, she won a Tony. Tony Award for Best Featured Actress in a Musical. Uh, she, I think she won a Grammy too. I'm almost sure. I'm almost positive. She, she did. She won a Grammy for it too. And this performance of You I Don't Know, oh my fucking God, blew my goddamn mind. It was incredible. Like, holy fucking fuck jizz, fuck, uh. Like, it was so good. It was so good. Definitely listen to Lauren Patton's version of You I Don't Know from the Jagged Little Pill musical. I'd give it three out of five stars. Uh, the final musical I saw, you want to guess what it is? I'll give you a second. It was Wicked. I saw Wicked, and I, I'm i obsessed with the Wicked Witch of the West. I have, like, two figurines. I have a tattoo that's dedicated to the Wicked Witch of the West, um, and yet I've never seen Wicked. I've never fucking seen Wicked. It's been around for, like, 18 years, I think, and I've never fucking seen it. Never saw it. Just saw it this year. It was so good. It was phenomenal. So let me just give you a little plot of this. Definitely listen to that soundtrack. I mean, you probably, if you're listening to this, you're sad and gay and you've already listened to Wicked, but it's, they're making a movie of it. They're making a movie of it with, I obviously know that Ariana Grande is gonna be Glinda and Alphaba is going to be played by, oh my god, uh, Cynthia Erivo? Cynthia Erivo, yeah. Who, what was she in? She's been in a few things. She was in Harriet, she played Harriet Tubman. Uh, yes. In the movie Harriet. So, that sounds fucking amazeballs. But the movie is, uh, the musical is amazeballs. It is so good if you... It's coming to Boston, so if you're in Boston, that probably means it's going to be on a national tour. It's coming to Boston in August. It's now playing... It's been playing, I'm pretty sure, for, like, over a decade now at the Gershwin Theater in Broadway. I... So, without giving too much away here, it it's the storyline of the Wicked Witch of the West, whose name is Alphaba, uh, and her encounters with Glinda, the Good Witch of the North, how she basically became wicked, and a storyline, a cutesy storyline of, like, Alphaba is basically in college with Glinda. They're, like, roommates, and Glinda's just, like, the typical, like, Elle Woods, like, quirky blonde that you'd expect, and Alphaba is, you know, the green outcast who 
is, you know, bookish and smart and doesn't want to be popular like how Glinda wants to be popular as she sings. Stunning effects, constant changing changing scenery. Uh, the scene in the Emerald City is incredible. They go into the Emerald City. I feel like I'm not giving away too much of a plot line. Like, just amazing effects. Uh, there's, like, a dragon in the center of the stage. They have a dragon that just, like, moves... It's just, like, this metal dragon thing, like, right above the stage, and it just will randomly, like, at certain parts of the musical, like, start to open its eyes, go red, and it's, like, moving its head back and forth. I think there's, like, fog or something. The songs were great. Songs were great. Glinda was amazing. Alphaba was phenomenal. Um, I'm sure everyone knows at this point where she sings Alphaba, the Wicked Witch of the West, sings the song Defi Defying Gravity, where she basically affirms that she is going to be the Wicked Witch of the West because everyone is just going to inevitably view her as wicked. Um, and, you know, there's, like, a scene at that... It's known as, like, one of the belters, the belting songs, you know, like Broadway belters, one of the songs that require, like, a, a very strong vocal register. And at the end of it she she carries her broom and like her black dress her black cape is like flowing and there's just like a bright white light behind her and it's just phenomenal it's just so good it's it's queer they also tie in all of the other characters in the wizard of oz in the in the movie in, you know, the first book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, they tie in the Tin Man and Scarecrow and Lion, like, and Dorothy all really well in really super interesting ways. These musicals just really remind me of why I'm here. And I love a good spectacle. I love laughter. I love moments that cause us to just feel love again feel love and feel joy and just relate to someone on an intimate human level and musicals do that for me i think they do that through song i think they do that through incredible setting and the great thing about musicals is just like it is so intimate in the way that like there's so many people involved in that process you have the actors themselves, you have the people who design the setting, you have the people who make the setting, you have the orchestra, you have the director, you have the scriptwriter, you have the songwriter, uh, you have, you know, uh, the gaffer. Is the gaffer involved in a musical? You have so many, there's so many hands on deck that require pure collaboration, like, a harmony that's like difficult to fucking do um that's why fucking when i did broad when i i didn't do broadway musicals i wish i did now i don't i'm a bitch is tired i i want to be a writer i want to be a writer in new york city manifest that for me when i was in musicals when i was in local theater uh we were a family we like knew we just like knew everyone so well you know, we knew we knew the makeup artist or, you know, the person who did the makeup. Her name was Pat. She was so funny. She was such a gruff, angry woman. I loved her. Uh, I think she was also the stage 
des- uh, director, I forget what they call that, the person that's, like, behind the crew, like, telling you when to go on and stuff. You know, we were so intimate uh, with all of those people, with, you know, the you know, the musical director, the director herself, uh, the guy that played the piano with the, you know, composer, musical director. His wife was also in the plays. She was, you know, an actor in the plays. Uh, you know, just everyone, people, the crew, who people who were involved in the sound check, people who helped build the sets. We were just all so loving towards each other and it was just such a dynamic duo of all these different personalities and it was beautiful it was really beautiful and i remember fucking theater kids y'all are gay as fuck and so ridiculous i remember going to i'm aging myself here um this was a chain restaurant in massachusetts called the ground round it's kind of like Applebeezy or like the 99 basically probably there's Applebees are everywhere I'm pretty sure so the ground round we would go to the ground round after our final play our f- final performance we'd go to the ground round and we'd be fucking sobbing like someone had died and like all the kids my age like we were like i'm gonna miss you so much we're never gonna see each other again like we couldn't just like ask for each other's phone numbers or something and be like you're cool we want to hang out because realistically we didn't get along like we were fine like it wasn't like oh fuck this person but realistically like we were just theater like friends like it was just like the moment but we were so dramatic and because we were we spent months together like singing songs together like acting and knowing each other's like how to act with each other and it was just very loving and supportive and communal and so we'd cry like sobbing ridiculously like someone had just like fucking ripped our hearts out like like when mary poppins leaves you know like when mary poppins leaves the banks you just feel like your heart's fucking ripped out and like just like this a loss of something so beautiful a beautiful moment and we were very dramatic and gay at the ground round Uh, and that's what gays do i liked getting back to that and i like talking about musicals so if you want to talk about musicals you i'll leave my socials in the bio and also you know say them at the end i want i liked that and witnessing musicals i like how it also is a form of community building So I have some quotes here from queer theorist David Halperin from his book, uh, I think it's How to Be Gay. It is How to Be Gay. And then the chapter is shocking everyone. What's gayer than gay? He writes about Broadway musicals. Now he writes about it specifically for gay men and how it's a way for for men in the 1950s because that's when he grew up. He talks about how, grow, uh, as a gay boy, it was a marker of I- identification and identity formation. It was also something that was very queer-coded, not directly, but just, like, in its whole makeup. Like, even that, even though they represented heterosexual desire, a lot of the songs, like, Wash That Man Right Out of My Hair, has been, like, reappropriated by gay men. I would say it's not just gay men exclusive. I think 
Broadway musicals are very just gay, queer in general. That's why a lot of like non-binary, lesbian, gay men, what have you, are really drawn to the theater because it's a place where they can imagine their existence in a world that otherwise doesn't allow that visibility yet to be shown. So I have a quote here by David Halperin from uh, What's Gayer Than Gay talking about Broadway musicals. And he writes, It is in the form of the Broadway musical itself that homosexual desire once took up pervasive, if unverifiable, and unlocalized residence. For homosexual desire is a volatile effect, an elusive way of feeling, a solid, a solitary sentimental projection, only an aesthetic form as sly, as tricky, and as queer as the Broadway musical could give it so powerful and moving an expression in an otherwise hostile world. So the musical allows us, allows queer desire to show up in ways that aren't always acceptable in heteronormative spaces and heteronormative society. And that has been very healing for a lot of gay people, for queer people. I'm going to find a few more quotes here that I like. It is not only gender that gets exploded by the Broadway musical, but straight reality itself. Singing is gay. Breaking out into song is gay. A character that, like, is talking about how much he loves a woman being like, But I love you, and I want to do stuff. Like, that's gay. It's just gay. Even if it isn't gay, it's gay. This is the last quote, but I, I kind of... It's different nowadays, so... David Halperin writes, Without ever recognizing gay men in the very act of disavowing their existence, the Broadway musical permitted them to partake in queer ways of being and feeling. So he's talking about how like older 1950s musicals without directly mentioning gay characters are showing so same-sex desire. It was a way for gay people, gay men in his example, to kind of project themselves into the narrative and to imagine that. I would agree. I can see that being a thing. So he kind of like fetishizes uh, like the old days when we couldn't talk about it. Like, you know, it, it, and I like kind of agree. I think sometimes like the queer coding actually gives more room for the imagination, which I do like at the same time. I think a lot of other Broadway musicals are still like equally gay and also gay through their, you know, representation of just gayness, Rocky horror, you know, rent, uh, it, jagged little pill uh a lot of these more recent musicals i think that musicals have been a space that is so loved and admired by the queer community because like one thing gender is a performance even sexuality is a performance in so many ways and queer people know that from the get-go and so it's nice to experiment it provides uh theater provides a space for experimenting with identities experimentation with costumes it provides a space to work with a community of like-minded people who want to experiment with gender and identities it's a space to do things that allow you to get out of your comfort zone like randomly singing about pickles that are in the fridge are they still good to eat it allows you to just make up random shit um, on the spot and have fun with it. I love that. I miss that. Going to the theater has brought that back to my life, to my identity. And 
I highly recommend it for all of my listeners. So do gay be crimes. <laughs> um, go to the theater and be more gay. That is my episode. Thank you. As always, you can follow me at Saturday Podcast on Instagram, at kinda underscore Kyle on Instagram. You can also follow me on TikTok at Cruella Demented. You can subscribe to my newsletter, which is saturday.substack.com. Thank you so much. Love you. Happy Saturday. Mwah.